BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Traveling for college hoops this winter? Pro tip, stay at a graduate hotel. They're obsessed with college basketball, just like us. Each graduate hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni. Nods to school colors, mascots. Why would you stay anywhere else? They have 30-plus hotels in the best college towns. And get this, you can save up to 30% with the code DOUG. That's my name, D-O-U-G. Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Book your basketball stays at graduatehotels.com. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Brought to you by Farmers at Farmers. We've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything when it's game time. Have an experienced player help you stay ahead of the game. Put their experience into play at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. We have a lot to get to. Net star Jared Dudley will join us as uh, the Brooklyn Nets have done what previously would be unthinkable in other seasons or maybe at the start of the season. They have made the playoffs. Uh, Plus, I want to get his sense of, uh, of, of what happened on Saturday night in the NCAA tournament and if he thought it was a good call against 
Auburn. We'll get to that in a moment. Mark Schlereth, three-time Super Bowl champion, will join us a little bit later on the show. Interesting back and forth between Antonio Brown and some fans, which, of course, brought Juju Smith-Schuster into the discussion. Why Antonio Brown is exactly who we thought he was. Plus, Jeff Goodman will join us, and we'll try to find out if he knows who the next head coach of UCLA would be, since no one else seems to know. There's an interesting NBA players poll. Nick Baugh is going to join me, talk about tonight's game. But let, let's start with Saturday night. Um, look, I, I'm, a, I'm a former player. I'm the son of a coach, and I do some coaching in my own right. And one of the things that I tell any kid who plays for me, whether it was when I coached in Israel or I coached fourth and fifth graders, is that you cannot worry about the That is not your job to worry about the officials. You're going to get some good calls. You're going to get some bad calls. And, and hopefully when you're, uh, when you're on the 18th green of your basketball career, you'll be able to hold up a sign that says under par. Like by, by that, I mean, you don't want to be, you don't, if you think of it, honestly, you'll think, all right, I got a couple of really good calls really helped me. And I got a couple of bad calls that went in. If worst case scenario, you're at par or slightly over par. Bob Valvano is a really talented radio host. Of course, his, his late brother was an incredible basketball coach in his own right. And Bob Valvano, he, he actually keeps every scorecard from every round of golf he's ever played. And he wants to, at some point late in his life, have a caddy walk around that says like Valvano, like 349 uh, over par, like whatever his career over par is. Probably higher than that. I think in in terms of sports, you'd like to think you end your career at even par, maybe a little bit under. So yeah, you get some calls that go for you. Yeah, you get some calls that get to go against you. The difference in this one is it's going to decide a national champion. And the difference in this one is it's the second straight game where a violation has occurred by Virginia and hasn't been called against Virginia. Here's the national championship uh, deciding play in the Final Four Saturday night. Take a listen. Jerome slaps the basketball, looking, peering, finds Guy in the left corner, 4-3, and the win! Off the rim, no good! And the Tigers claw back, but wait, was there a foul? The clock is at zeros, but Auburn fouled the shooter! Six-tenths of a second left, Purifoy. Throws it in. Caught. Brown. Turnaround. No. And Virginia 63. Auburn 62. The Cavaliers will play for their first national championship. That's Kevin Kugler on Westwood One. Uh, this is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, I will tell you that we were seated. Our tickets, my son Hayes and I, were on the 50-yard line. We're right at midcourt. We are probably 30 rows back, which are really good seats. And the play occurred in the exact opposite side of the floor. And no one saw the foul. No one actually heard the whistle blow because of the kind of pandemonium in the arena. And there was a good 10 second delay before you realized no, a foul had been called. And again, remember it's a, the domes are a different kind of setup where both benches are below the level of the floor, so only the coach is up at court level, but both teams' players had started to creep up onto the court, 
and the album players for a second celebrated and then realized that their celebrations were for naught. We'll, it's it's fair to give credit to Kyle Guy who knocked down three really hard free throws and then I thought answered questions as honestly as you could. It's fair to say that there was technically a foul. The problem with it is you missed a double dribble that was right in front of two officials on the on the very previous possession. And while Auburn shouldn't have, Jared Harper shouldn't have missed a free throw, if he did, those three free throws would have simply caused overtime. Um, they shouldn't have run under Kyle Guy. And by by definition, I have no disputing that the definition of a foul, and for years coaches have tried to say, protect the shooter, don't let a guy run underneath the shooter. The problem is that's actually how Virginia plays defense for 40 minutes, is not necessarily running under guys, but as you go up, they body up under you. This is how most really good teams play in college basketball. They play man-to-man. And honestly, it's how I teach my kids to play. Not necessarily going up underneath somebody when they're jumping, but using their body and not their hands. There's a point of emphasis over the last five years in college basketball where we call it freedom of movement, but really what what they want is they want to take kind of the hand play, the hand checking or the chucking of guys. They want to take that out of the game. And coaches that are smart, and Jay Wright is really smart, and Tony Bennett is really smart, and John Beeline is really smart, you look at what they tell you you can't do, and they say, well, that means you can do something else. And what you can do is play with your body. Matter of fact, Texas Tech last year gave Villanova their toughest game, and we had Chris Beard on the show, and he talked about how, hey, all offseason long, they practice what they call were Nova shots, which are guys, as you go up to finish, they push up and they kind of run up under you. They run up under you. So by definition, is that a foul? I guess, yeah, sure. But it didn't hit his wrist. It didn't affect the jump shot. It simply affected him when he was landing and coming down. Maybe it affected him in not knowing if the guy was underneath him. But that's how Virginia plays, and they never get called for fouls. So, no, I wouldn't have called a foul there. And I'm not disputing that a foul did, in fact, by letter of the law, did exist. And then the NCAA does itself no favors by only commenting on that play and not the missed double dribble because the missed double dribble is a non-call and we don't comment on non-calls. So wait, wait, wait. If you, if you, hold on. On a missed double dribble, you're not going to comment because it wasn't called. If that wasn't called a foul, you wouldn't have had a comment on it? It doesn't make any sense. And oh yeah, by the way, here we go on the misjudgment calls and what's going to become of the NBA. I mean, the NFL. Right? The NFL is going to be misjudgment calls. Okay, so that's like pass interference. And if it in fact occurred, and by in slow motion it did incur, but a lot of times at the end of games we let things go and we let the players make plays and you've got to finish through contact. That's what they tell you at the rim. Like if he's driving to the rim and that exact same contact occurs, it is not called a foul. No way. But again, we could go back in the NFL and review that play, but we couldn't review the missed double dribble. We want a perfect game. We want a perfectly officiated game, but games are officiated completely imperfectly. And the more in which we open up to try and create perfection, the worse it's going to be. And the more pronounced the replays are going to be. 
or the delays by replay. So, look, I, I don't think it's not a dirty championship game or championship run potentially by Virginia. It's nothing short of miraculous. I mean, here's a team that was eliminated from the NCAA tournament in the first round as the first one seed to lose to a 16 seed. That was just last year. That wasn't like a couple years ago. It was just last year. And to suffer that humiliating defeat, to turn around, win the ACC, and then get to the Final Four, get to a national championship, nothing short of incredible. But in the previous game, when they were down two points and they missed a free throw, Ty Jerome, it was a lane violation on the missed free throw. Wasn't called. And in this game, a double dribble by Ty Jerome. Wasn't called. Do you need some luck and some fortune? Sure. But man, they've got more than their share. And now all of a sudden, are they a a team of destiny? For the record, as much as I believe in protecting the shooters, I would not have called a foul on that play. Not because I don't think a foul occurred, but because one, that's how Virginia plays. And two, in that particular instance, I think it was sold a little bit extra by Kyle Guy. I don't like guys that, I, I hate the Reggie Miller move, the kick out the legs move. I don't think it's the end of the world, but I do think that a championship deciding play where the shot was actually not affected in a style of defense the other team plays. And while two wrongs don't make a right, if you've actually played basketball, you'll know oftentimes, say a ball is deflected off of one team, but the other team committed a foul, which led to the deflection. Sometimes we just even it up by by giving the basketball to the team that it should be rightfully theirs, even if it didn't go off their hand. And we're left with a lot of confusion, a lot of discussion. I generally think that most people who played most people would probably agree with me. I, I put a clip of the 2000 and was it 2003 national championship game where Kansas lost to Syracuse. If you watch the last second shot, Syracuse ran into the shooter after, after he released the basketball. Wasn't called, wasn't reviewed. Nobody talked about it. But because a call was made, suddenly it's made more pronounced. And we have forgotten that generally you let things go at the end of a game and you let the players decide. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton, you know, watch Creighton. And, play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, 
Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Let's catch up on my man Nick Ba. He, of course, played hoop at KU. And at CU, that would be Creighton University. Now you hear him broadcast on Fox Sports 1. And uh, you hear him on Fox Sports Radio on the weekends. Nick, foul or no foul? Would you have, if you're standing there and you're right there on the baseline, would you have called it? I like to think I would have, just because if you, you would think if you're official, you would adhere to how the rule is written. And technically, as Gene Steratore laid it out, you, you have to allow the shooter to be able to land. And in, in that regard, it was a foul. Uh, I, I think the, the hard part, though, is when you frame it in the sense of, let's say there wasn't a whistle are we all up in arms like we were at the end of the NFC championship game? Now I get that that was like the most egregious no call maybe in the history of sports, given the, the stage. I don't know if we are, I don't know if we're all sitting there going, Oh my gosh, can you believe they didn't call a foul on guys three in the corner? But at the end of the day, it was a foul. And for me, I don't know. I don't know where you're at, Doug. I'm curious to get your take on this. Like as a player, I feel like there's this understood thing at the end of games where it's like, you know, the whole ref swallowing the whistle to me, 
all that stuff is away from the ball. Like, rebounding, fighting through a screen, all that stuff. Like, that stuff is a war. Anybody that's ever been on the floor on the final possession, it is a war away from the ball. But on the ball, you want to think that the shooters and the ball handlers can still get protected. So, ultimately, I think they they got it right. Uh, But, you know, it wasn't necessarily just clear as day uh, if it wouldn't have been called with people being upset. How bad was the missed double dribble from your perspective? I didn't, I didn't go crazy in the moment. And so that's something I always want to think about is in the moment did I freak out? And I didn't. Uh, I think I was maybe just like the ref caught up in, okay, Auburn's going to foul. They got fouls to give. When are they going to foul? Are they going to let Jerome go down the floor a little bit? And, you know, in the moment, I don't think I noticed that it went off his foot. Uh, so I don't want to be disingenuous and act like I knew it in the moment was a brutal call. But I'm also not a paid official on the biggest stage of college basketball that's paid to see that and make that call. But and, and, and that, they, they they were also they were also in position to make the right. call. It wasn't. I, I I understand that you could say, hey, there's two officials. One of the officials, you're, you're turning your head, you're running down the floor, you're trying to get in position, right? And there is. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, that's the hard part about about the eyewitnesses is sometimes you're just out of position but there's another the trail official is looking right at the play and look like he saw it and just hesitated for a second and didn't make the call and you know to the same like hey look if we're gonna be letter of the law guy that's fine and i i agree with you like there's a lot of people that missed it they're not officials those guys are some, <laughs> that's one you i'm sorry you can't miss right yeah uh, you know unfortunately that's the thing i mean when you're on that stage and your job is to you know officiate the game. It's you, you can't miss that call, and so it's it's frustrating. You talk about back to back, just gut punch plays for Auburn. Unbelievable, missed double dribble, and then you know the the foul on the three. Just just remarkable sequence of events that leads to Virginia standing. Nick Bod joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. They survived for a second uh, second straight time. I mean, just remark- I'll tell you the thing that's lost is. Tony Bennett takes out Ty Jerome with four and a half minutes to go with four fouls. Like, yep. hey, dude, your team commits the least amount of fouls of any team in the tournament, and you have a, a veteran player who's not going to commit his fifth foul, and the team totally lost momentum, and that's how Auburn got the lead. I mean, they survived in spite of Tony. I think if you asked him, he would probably admit as such. Yeah, and it's always hard. It's a, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation for coaches at times, but so many coaches, I think, don't understand that there are certain moments in the game where the game is going to be decided in the next two two minutes, two, three yeah. minutes, where whether or not it's even going to be close in the final 90 seconds. So you can sit there and say, boy, we need Ty Jerome at the end of the game. Well, if you have him on the floor for the next two or three minutes, it's going to be this thing's going to be on ice, and he's going to be chilling on the bench in the final 90 seconds. So I, I'm with you. I, I would have kept Jerome on the floor, not only because of, of how important the – the next few minutes were going to be, but as everything you just pointed out, Doug, I mean, Virginia doesn't foul. Ty Jerome's a really smart guy. I don't think he would have picked up his, uh, his fifth foul. And, and don't kid yourself, that was, that was the sequence, man. I mean, that opened the door for Auburn to get it rolling, and then Virginia got a little bit stuck on offense. And before you know it, that thing got went, went from a nine-point game or a ten-point game to all of a sudden Auburn was in the driver's seat. It was, it was a crazy, crazy turnaround. How do they match up with Texas Tech? I really like Texas Tech tonight. I, I think uh, I think when you when you think about how matchups are everything, and for the way Texas Tech is built defensively, I think they're built to eat up Virginia 
in their offense with some of the pin downs and flares. I think that they're going to switch a lot of those and press out. The other thing that they want to do, they want to heat up the ball. They're going to get under Clark. Uh, the one thing they'll also do is they'll keep the ball on the sideline, Doug. You know, that they like to keep it on the side. And when they're doing a lot of their offense, Virginia, that is, they want the ball in the middle of the floor. So yep. I think Clark is going to have a tough time seeing things. And when you're a team that can switch and press out, you turn teams into one-on-one teams. And I don't think Virginia is built to beat you one-on-one. They need screens. They need pin downs. They need flares to, to get an advantage. And so now ultimately, I think this is going to be a close game. I'd be really surprised at the, at, you know, the under four minute timeout that if this isn't a one possession game and, uh, and, and, and that's just because of how these two teams are built. But I just think the way Texas Tech is built defensively, I really feel like the Red Raiders are going to eat up Virginia's offense. Um, what, what do you make? Of Chris uh, of Matt Mooney and his offensive explosion in the tournament, like I love it. Obviously, he's an older guy. He started Air Force and then went to South Dakota, and he's been really well coached at, at both places. But uh, it, it's fascinating to watch him kind of pick apart these teams in the NCAA tournament. It is. I mean, and, and you know, there you better believe there's a lot of low major players and mid major players saying to themselves, "See, if I got on the big stage, I could kill too." And you just never know how it is. You and I talked in your podcast, Doug, like a lot of it is situation. A lot of it is how you're viewed by your coaching staff and your, and your teammates. Uh, you can tell that Chris Beard has a lot of confidence in Mooney. You can tell his teammates got a lot of confidence in Mooney, and they allow for him to be aggressive and go make plays. Uh, and, and he's kind of uh, clearly in a good rhythm right now. And it's, it's a pretty cool uh, situation for, for a guy in Mooney where, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what, the NCAA does. They've slid the grad transfer structure under the microscope now. Now, obviously, a lot of these guys like Mooney or Tariq Owens, they come in, they're there for a year as a graduate student, knowing full well that you cannot get your graduate degree in just one year, but it's kind of like a reward for, hey, you've done all the right things, you've graduated, we're going to give you the freedom. It'll be interesting to see if you'll see that kind of go away in college basketball, because that's become a big part of the transfer market and how teams kind of fill holes when you lose a Zaire Smith, for instance, to the NBA that I'd imagine a year ago, Chris Beard didn't think would happen. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. We only look at, I, I, it, look, it's, it, I wonder what, you, what your opinion of it is. I'll, I'll share with you mine. Uh, I, it destroys low, low major teams, right? Just clearly yep. destroys them. And there's this idea that people have in mind, like, Oh, well, you just get a guy who's the best player in a low major team, and of course they're going to be really good at a high major, and that hasn't really occurred nearly as often as the opposite. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you two guys who played for Oklahoma, right? They had Miles Reynolds, who came over from Pacific, um, and then uh, what's the little guard they had from, uh, they came from, from Maine? Um, oh, Aaron, yeah. uh, Aaron Calixti. Like the two of them, yep. they weren't very good, and. You know, they end up destroying Pacific, and Maine wasn't good, but Maine had a coaching change, and now they, you know, Maine again has no players remaining. Uh, John Cremo, who comes from Albany, right? He's the best player in his league, or one of the best players in his league. He transfers from Albany to Villanova. He's not good enough to play at Villanova, and so Villanova, you know, signs him and uses him, but in the meantime, it destroys Albany. It's like we really are destroying those low major programs taking away their, their their best player. On the other hand, you do want to reward a kid for doing things the right way and graduating um, on time or early. 
Yeah, it's there's so many different layers to it. You want to be in the business of rewarding what we say we want out of college basketball. If a guy, you know, takes care of business on and off the the court, he goes to class and graduates. You want to say, all right, my man, you did your thing. Go ahead and go wherever you want to go and and ball out for your final year. But I totally agree where it just decimates some of these low major, mid major schools where they just get cherry picked with their top players, and it's tough for them to build those veteran teams that ultimately that's how a Pacific or a Rice or, you know, even like a San Jose State, Brandon Clark, Ryan Wellich, those dudes like went off and helped Xavier and helped, uh, helped Gonzaga. Like it, it, it hurts some of those teams' ability to build a team that's ultimately going to make a run. But I just, there's a part of me that has a hard time, you know, restricting some of these guys after well, they what, take what, care what of if, What if when they transfer, they have to sit a year? So you get six. Yeah. So you get six. Uh, for, for people who don't understand the, the expression, normally you get five for four, which means you get five yep. years to complete, four years uh, of playing. What if the reward is you get a six year, but still just a fourth year to compete? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to that. And but the reality is, you know what that would do? That would deter a lot of guys from wanting to go do it. Because I because I still. You know, the whole transfer situation, uh, you know, I was a guy that transferred. Um, everybody transfers for different situa- reasons, and we tend to paint with a broad brush. I mean, I think that's a little bit unfair. But I, I, I don't mind the whole rule that you have to sit out, you know, because I do think there does need to be some sort of deterrent from guys leaving. And there is no greater deterrent than sitting on the bench for a year. Nobody wants to do that. Everybody wants to play. So I do think that there has to be some sort of happy medium I don't mind that, uh, what, you, what you throw out there. And, and if you force guys to sit out and then give them another year. Uh, but I, I just I'm, I don't want them to be, be in the business of restriction when guys take care of, uh, of their classwork. Who do you like tonight? I love the Red Raiders, man. I, 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 think, uh, I, I think ultimately both these teams are going to have to make plays at the end of the shot clock. That yep. is obvious. Uh, and I think between Mooney and I think uh, Culver, I like their their late shot clock playmakers a little bit more. I do think the status of Tariq Owens is going to be important, you know, with their ability to switch things and then protect the rim. But yeah, I just I think Texas Tech is built to gobble up Virginia and uh, what they do offensively. So I think Chris Beard going to be drinking some Coors Lights, Bud Lights, Miller Lights, whatever he he, he pounds tonight uh, after they cut down nets. Who do you think is the UCLA head coach? I, I was just I was going to hope you, you could tell me. I, I, this is remarkable, absolutely remarkable. I thought the Rick Barnes thing potentially made sense, uh, you know, without the the massive buyout that that UCLA. I don't know how they didn't understand the situation with Jamie Dixon. I think Jamie Dixon's a really good coach. I think he's one of those guys that would have been like, you know, Coach Altman. Dana Altman was like Oregon's eighth or ninth choice, and look what they landed into. I mean, a guy that's yep. gone to Final Fours and done a good job. I think Jamie Dixon could have been similar in that mold. But I don't know, Dougie. What do you you tell me? I think they end up waiting on the two guys coaching tonight. I I do think the there's there's something about Beard they're not into, which is stupid to me. Yeah, um, I but uh, I, I think and I, it wouldn't stun me if Billy Donovan ends up being the guy. It wouldn't no. stun me. You know, if they end up playing this kind of waiting game without trying to play a waiting game, don't get what they want. Go, you know, let's just wait a week or two and see what happens with Billy Donovan, which I think ultimately could be like a Dana Altman, where you end up getting yep. an unbelievable coach even though you you completely screwed up the search. Totally agree. I think Billy Donovan will be a home run, all things considered. Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of Nick Bot. Check him out Sundays, Sunday 
evening Eastern time. That's five o'clock Eastern time, two o'clock Pacific, a long time alongside our own Dan Byer. What a great show that is. Uh, Nick, enjoy the game. Thanks so much for the knowledge and the hoops, and we'll talk really, really soon. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning. It's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dance, <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. You guys see this Antonio Brown uh, back and forth with a fan. Basically, um, Antonio Brown 
tweeted out, you know, that you got to kind of keep your emotions in check type deal, which is funny, right? Like the ultimate irony, pot, meat, kettle, Antonio Brown telling others about keeping their emotions in check. Anyway, so um, someone, quote, retweeted him that Juju Smith-Schuster was the Pittsburgh Steelers MVP. Antonio Brown tweeted back, emotion. The boy fumbled the whole postseason in the biggest game of the year. Everyone went blind to to busy making guys famous enough. Reality these days, by the way, checked check the list. Um, Antonio Brown then on his Instagram page did what, look, I think this is dirty business. Direct messages are not to be posted. They're just not. Like that is private and confidential. But in this particular case, this is where Antonio Brown, he doesn't even know how he makes himself look even worse. There's a private message from Juju Smith-Schuster when he left college. What's up, AB? I'm a receiver at the University of Southern California. I appreciate your work. You're a great man on and off the field. Do you have any tips that can help my game to the next, get my game to the next level? Thanks, man. That's Juju Smith-Schuster. It comes across as respectful of both him as a player and as a grown man asking for help. Antonio Brown thinks by putting this out on his Instagram page, like, look, me and Juju are good. Meanwhile, Juju Smith-Schuster tweeted that, you know, like, hey, I, I was nice to you regardless. I thought we were boys. Antonio Brown is so far off the reservation. He has no ability to be uh, introspective. He just doesn't. He doesn't see how the world sees him, which is not just selfish, egomaniacal, um, even vindictive. But the type of guy that would forget about biting the hand that fed him when he was in Pittsburgh. This is a guy that'll turn on anybody, even someone who handles themselves a plum as, as, as Juju Smith-Schuster has. I think we can all conclude Antonio Brown, super thin-skinned, bad guy. Very, very talented, super skin-thinned, thin-skinned, bad dude. Why would you possibly think about throwing Juju Smith-Schuster under the bus? Why would you do that? To make yourself look better? And then, when called out on it by Juju, he's like, look, Juju, he's always looked up to me. We're good. No, you're not good. That was before he knew who you really were. And even before, you know, you start tweeting at random people. Now we know who you really are. Of course Juju's done with you. The Steelers already knew. That's why they were done with you. That's why I've told you for a long time, the Steelers have chosen character and culture over talent. No one's disputing Antonio Brown's talent. But his character strikes can, can strike at the heart of the culture of a team. Um, this is interesting. If you look, guys with higher yards per attempt than David Carr in 2018, Nick, uh, Derek Carr, did I say David? Derek Carr, sorry. Nick Mullins, Marcus Mariota, Eli Manning, Mitchell Trubisky, Dak Prescott. Higher career yards 
per attempt than David Carr, Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton, Eli Manning, Ryan Tannehill, Case Keenum. He's tied with Josh McCown, Blake Bortles, and Joe Flacco. He's basically being accused of being captain checkdown, getting rid of the ball quickly and not pushing the ball down the football field. And guess who's going to be open down the football field or double recovered down the football field be Antonio Brown. This is going to be a fascinating experiment to see how it plays out. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Marsh Lyric joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Stinky with us? Yeah, I'm here, man. How are you, buddy? I'm, I'm really, really good. Rosen, first guy in the building. He's, he's pretending like he's all in. Cardinals saying, of course he's going to show up. They're pretending like they're all in. Where do you think ultimately Josh Rosen plays football next year? Um, not with the Cardinals. I mean, I can't. Like I can't imagine them not trying to move him at some point in the quarterback. It's not even a quarterback-driven league. It's a quarterback-deprived league. So there's going to be somebody that evaluated him high last year that's going to get him for a late second, early third-round pick. But if you go after Kyler Murray, that's the decision you've made. Certainly, Josh Rosen doesn't fit into that style of offense. So if that's the decision you've already made, you know, I mean, to me – you're not going to keep both of those guys. They don't. They don't match. Their skill sets are not similar. So uh, I, I've got to believe that he's not going to be playing um, for the Arizona Cardinals next year for sure. Uh, okay. So so where does it where does he fit? Like, uh, I mean, the Redskins already traded for a quarterback, but maybe he becomes their guy. The Giants need an heir apparent, uh, but they they're saying at least telling people openly that that Eli is still their guy, at least for this year and maybe into next year. The Chargers need a, need a guy, but they decide to sign to Tyrod Taylor, so maybe they don't need a guy. The Patriots need a backup, but do the Patriots really want to give up any equity to get a backup quarterback when they have Tom Brady? Like, where do you think the best fit is? Yeah, or what about the Miami Dolphins? I mean, they signed Fitzpatrick as their guy. Is that a, is that a landing spot for a Josh Rosen where he comes in and, you know, maybe sits on the bench. One thing we know about Fitzpatrick, he's going to have two magnificent games followed by two just absolute garbage games. So that's kind of been the story of his career. So is would that be a fit right there? I like the New England Patriots kind of move, um, you know, because one of the things that, that they always seem to be able to do is, you know, take that 31st overall pick or that 32nd overall pick and move back and parlay it into multiple draft picks. And the next thing you know, you got three second rounders and, you know, two third rounders or two seconds and three thirds. And could you, could you move on a, a Josh Rosen for a third rounder to the Arizona Cardinals? Like something like that just seems so Belichickian to me that, uh, that, that seems like a place where maybe he may go and kind of get a year of, quote-unquote football rehab underneath Tom Brady and just see how that kind of pans out. So that one makes a lot of sense to me um, as well. Yeah. This this whole thing, though, the, the Cardinals have done nothing to really help his trade value, and uh, I, I just I don't really understand that philosophy. Even if you want Kyler Murray, why haven't the whole time you said Josh Rosen's awesome, Cliff Kingsbury's been brought in to fix Josh, to help Josh Rosen become awesome? Like, why has there been this, like, why have they done what they've done with the asset that is Josh Rosen? Yeah, well, that's the one that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But again, you're talking about the Arizona Cardinals, and, and here in the last two years, not a whole lot has made sense. Um, 
you know, the, the whole Kyler Murray thing, I believe, goes back to when Cliff Kingsbury was in college at Texas Tech saying, boy, if I had that guy, you know, well, that guy, I, I'd make him the first overall pick. And so the speculation was out there. The fascination with Kyler Murray was out there for Cliff Kingsbury. And, and obviously in the air raid system that they run, um, you know, Josh Rosen just isn't a fit for that. Uh, he, you know, he, he grew up in a different offense. He's a different caliber type player. And, um, you know, and, and there were a lot of draft nicks and a lot of kind of draft gurus last year that talked about him being, you know, him having the most NFL ready skill set of all the quarterbacks coming out last year. So, you know, they've done a terrible job of, of kind of hiding their feelings towards Kyler Murray and what they want to become. Um, they did have a veiled attempt to bring Nick Bosa in, you know, and like, hey, look, we're actually looking at Nick Bosa, but nobody bought into it. So um, that's kind of where they sit right now. They've done a horrible job in regards to, you know, creating value for, uh, you know, for Josh Rosen, certainly. And, um, and but, you know, they seem to be infatuated with the Kyler Murray kid. And so that looks like the direction they're going to go, obviously. All right, uh, help me out with Antonio Brown. For whatever reason, he chooses to uh, engage on uh, social media, on Twitter with fans who don't like him, even though he believes that he's over the Pittsburgh thing. Then he throws Juju Smith-Schuster under the bus. And then in, a, in, a, in, a, in an attempt to like defend himself, like to say, hey, I'm cool with Juju, even though Juju uh, answered a tweet and obviously is not cool with what he said in terms of the kid fumbled in the biggest game of the year. Um, like, look, here's, here's a, here's a direct message of Juju reaching out to me back when he played in college. Like that still doesn't undo it. What's your read on what this says about Antonio Brown, the person? Well, I mean, obviously the immaturity level, um, is epic. Um, uh, you know, forcing his way out of Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, he's like, you know, he's like the guy that, uh, you know, that breaks up with a girl and, and instead of saying, Hey, it's not you, it's me. He's like, no, no, it's, it's you. I, <laughs> I broke up with you because I don't like you. Um, I, you know, again, it points to the immaturity, um, uh, with which he deals with, with people in general. And, but I think it's deeper than that. I think, I think it's, um, systemic within the organization. Like they have not held people accountable within that organization, whether it's, Antonio Brown, whether it's Bell, whether it's Ben Roethlisberger, whoever the case may be, um, and and they've allowed guys to act this way. You're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. And in Pittsburgh, they allowed it to happen. And the worst thing that can happen to a guy like Antonio Brown is he can act like that. He can be late to things. He can show up you know, and, and decide not to work that day. I mean, it, all reports say he's an incredibly hard worker, but I've always felt this way, and I've talked to my teammates about this before. If you show up late to anything, and this is just in life in general, um, it is it is one of the most disrespectful acts in my mind that there is. You show up late to a team function. You show up late to a team meeting. You're essentially saying my time is more valuable than your time, you know, my family's more important than your family. I'm more important than you because I can't show up on time. And when you allow that to happen, and in Pittsburgh, behind closed doors, the people that I talked to, it was, it was an epidemic. I mean, he was, it was constant with that particular guy, and you allowed it to happen because of his talent. And it created a guy that is, uh, uh, that's, it creates a monster. It creates a guy that's completely 
self-absorbed and, um, you know, and is in this for him. And, and, you know, good. He'll go to the Raiders. He'll get plenty of targets. I feel like he's a guy that doesn't care about winning games. You know, he's that guy that you can lose as long as he's got 10 targets at 165 yards. You know, he goes out that night and says, man, it wasn't on me. But if you win and he's got four targets for 60 yards, well, there's going to be hell to pay <clears> at some point. And, and that you can't win. In this league, you can't win championships with that turd. It's just, you know, I don't care. You can put sprinkles on it or pour chocolate sauce on it. It's still a turd. And it does, it feels like the Pittsburgh Steelers really won today, right? Like, they, they just did. Um, even though they, they took a huge cap hit, it feels like they, they won the post-trade discussion. Anybody who questions why it was done, they just look at social media and they go, there you go, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Look at, hey, we tried to make it work. It didn't work. You know, we'll take... Yeah, we'll we'll take our lumps and and we've got to we've got to internally fix some things that are wrong with our organization. But the first step in fixing what's wrong with the organization is fixing the biggest issue within your organization. And you know, on the outside looking in, and you know, and I say that, and you know, we're all on the outside looking in. Um, most of us have contacts within the organization that would tell you, you know, it was it was this was the way he operated and the way he did business. Um, that is a, I'm a hundred percent on board with you. The Steelers have, have taken that first step to kind of cleansing what's wrong with their organization by getting rid of that guy. How do you think the Cleveland thing plays out? Isn't it interesting? I mean, having done one of their games late in the season last year, Doug, and being at the practice, um, and just watching their game tape, that is a talented football team. I mean, both lines of scrimmage, incredibly talented. Offensive line, defensive line. Um, you've got some talented linebackers. I thought the secondary of the Browns was exceptionally talented as I was watching them play together. Um, the receiving core, obviously, the, the backfield. I mean, this is, this is a super talented team. Now, again, can all those egos and all those personalities fit, and can you get, you know, can you get everybody involved so everybody's got a part of, of – that winning. Um, I think the one thing that lends itself to them having some success is there's no question that, that, that Baker Mayfield is the leader, like the, that Baker Mayfield has so much respect within that organization. And, um, and I feel like they've got the right guy pulling the trigger to make sure that everybody's on board and everybody's kind of pulling um, on the same page, so to speak. So that that part's interesting. I mean, if they if they can amass all these personalities and all those guys can play for one another, um, their their rosters as talented as anybody's roster in this league. I did mention that the Giants have come out and said, "Hey, Eli's our guy this year, maybe even next year." And uh, look, I'll I'll grant you that teams don't always do what they say, right? They they don't. Uh-huh. On the other hand. Dave Gettleman, for the most part, has done what he said he will do. Feels like everybody else thinks that's a mistake. Everybody else thinks Eli Manning is washed or very, very close to being washed. What do you think of what Dave Gettleman has come out and said? Well, here's Dave Gettleman in a nutshell. Dave Gettleman is a believer in, I'm going to build the lines of scrimmage. I'm I'm basically going to control the line of scrimmage. And in controlling the line of scrimmage, we're going to have an opportunity to protect our quarterback and we're going to have an opportunity to win. And, you know, I look at what they did. You're not winning. If you don't fix your line of scrimmage, 
You can have two or three Odell Beckham Juniors. You're not going to win. Like, you, you can't. And so Dave Gettleman looks at Odell Beckham and goes, he's incredibly talented. But if we can't fix what really ails this team, we can have him for the next three years. We're still not going to win, even with that talent. And, and then where are we? Like, where are we at that point? So the fact that you move on from him, you get valuable assets in his, in his place. Um, I'll tell you, a very underrated move they made was the guard Zeitler who was a first-round pick for the Cincinnati Bengals and then went over to Cleveland. And he played exceptionally well last year. Big-bodied kid, thick, um, and, and can really play. And so it helps solidify them on the inside, something they've had real trouble with if, as far as protecting Eli Manning. And nobody you know, nobody talks about that. But that's how Dave Gettleman constructs a, a football team. Um, everywhere he's been, that's the way he's put them together. So I actually kind of like the moves because – you know, there's, everybody's dependent on one another playing well, but there's no position that's more dependent in the National Football League than, than the wide receiver position. I mean, if you're not if 10 other guys aren't doing their job exceptionally well, the wide receivers don't get to sniff the ball. Yeah. And, at, you know, at some point, they, they I, I don't know how, they became superstars. You know, they became, they get their individual ISOs on Sunday, you know, and everybody's got the ISO cam on the receiver, and he makes one brilliant play, and all of a sudden, he's the reason you're winning. And I would still argue, you know, show me the one free agent wide receiver that went to a different team and, um, you know, was the difference in them going to the Super Bowl or not going to the Super Bowl. It just doesn't happen. Great stuff, Stink. That's three-time Super Bowl champion Mark Slareth. Of course, uh, you can see him NFL on Fox and on our Fox Sports 1 daily TV shows. Thanks so much for joining us. Anytime, Dougie. Traveling for one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Do yourself a favor. Stay at Graduate Hotels, Bridgestone Arena, Target Center. Their hotels are close to both tournament venues. So why would you stay anywhere else? I love staying at the Nashville location, and I'll be at the Minneapolis location for the Big Ten Championship. And if you're one of my listeners, you can save 30% off with the promo code DOUG. That's DOUG, D-O-U-G. Good at any Graduate Hotels location, up to 30% off. How do you do it? Really simple. Book today at graduatehotels.com. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free... 
When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.